Throw fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 51 of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Rotor Street Journal. I, of course, am your host, Nat the Truth Jones, sitting with me as always, the wolf of Rotor Street himself, who I just saw inhale a burrito, and you know, south of two minutes probably, because we're trying to get on the air. Um, got on the air pretty much on time, but like he's kind of, you know, he looks like he's maybe got some, I would say meat sweats, but burrito sweats maybe over there from taking it down. What kind of burrito is that? Oh uh, man, it's this meat called Certito, which is uh, it's like pork but crispy, and it's unbelievable with some Chipotle hot sauce in there. This place, La Victoria's in Beverly, they do it upright. And uh, yes, I just vacuum clean that thing. I don't know if I'll make it through this entire show before I just like die. At some point, I could definitely just like combust at one point or another. But until then, I'm here, and we're gonna do a, a rundown of all of epic proportions for sure. I mean, if you died on the air, that would catapult us into stardom. Completely. You I, mean, so? I mean, you. It would at least get us some listens, probably. I mean, you know, we're doing pretty well, but you know, you got to think like you know, uh, local fantasy football guru dies on the air after inhaling a burrito. That's going to get yeah. like a couple million YouTube hits, and sadly, you wouldn't be there to reap the benefit. But you know, me, Jimmy, and the Salt Man would, you know, and and Nate, of course, would you know probably be rich beyond our wildest dreams. There you go. If that's, if that's what it takes, if that's the launch pad of the uh, Roto Street, it's just me inhaling a burrito and, and, and that's the send-off, then you know what? I can accept that. We'll probably we'll call that plan D because I would, ultimately I would like to succeed with you. Um, speaking of things that like make you have the sweats and stuff, you've seen this thing on the internet, like the one-chip challenge, stuff like that? No, I have not. What's that one? Well, there even some football players have done it and stuff. There's these chips that are like really spicy, like one comes in a pack. And you, and you eat it and like then, you know, all those challenges that kids were doing, like when we were working together on, uh, you know, like dumb stuff they see on YouTube and then do it. Yeah. That's just, the newest one. I don't know if it's the newest one. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm I'm current on all this stuff. Uh, you know, I think it came out probably around when, uh, you know, TikTok by Kesha came out. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's right around the last time I stopped paying attention to anything uh, modern. <laughs> Pretty much it's like my life, high school. Um, you know, getting married. Then TikTok came out, and not, you know, not much has happened since then. Um, Monumental uh, milestones. <laughs> right, right. It's, just, it's just been playing on a loop in my head for the last eight years, or however <laughs> long it's been out for. Um, pretty good football this weekend. You have a good Thanksgiving. I had a great Thanksgiving. Lots of time with the nephews, uh, which is always nice. Just some good family time. Obviously, incredible food. So great Thanksgiving for me. Definitely, like you mentioned, the football. I, and you talk about sweating. I'm sweating out a brutal one right now. So it's a. Uh, I got 109. He has 121. So my team's finally showed up. Uh, I've got Jeremy Macklin and Collins. So I'm down by 12 with those two to go. He has Mike Wallace. So a 12 point lead in Mike Wallace versus Macklin and uh, Collins. I'm the favorite by like 0.5 according to Yahoo, but we know that means nothing. It's either one of those things like Wallace catches a 60 yard bomb and I lose, or he goes for zero and my guys rack up like 13 points. So we'll see. But I, I'm certainly sweating it out over here. How was your Thanksgiving? 
also really good. Enjoyed myself a lot. Spent a lot of you know good time with the kids and my wife who's working all the time. So it was nice to actually get to spend some quality time with her. We bought the kids this big bean bag that's in our front room now, which we were like, oh, this will be nice. And it's just like, first of all, they like it way more than you would have ever expected that they would. I mean, it's become essentially like the, the centerpiece of our entire house now. Nice. We have like a big, nice house and, you know, they have all this great stuff, but they the beanbag is just a huge source of controversy. They're fighting with each other. Um, there have been a lot of punches thrown, a lot of tears shed. Um, and uh, <laughs> well, so that's been fun. Well, what color is it? It's like kind of this like snow leopard fur type thing, you know, Ooh. like like a pimp would have, uh, you know, in the <laughs> 70s. But we were like, yeah, that's what we want to get for our children. Also, we've been uh, teaching uh, my older daughter some uh word games and we introduced her to the game boggle and uh she's taking advantage of that by just periodically we'll come into the room and the boggle trail will be out and they'll just be uh curse words just spelled out on the <laughs> on the board so that's been nice we're, we're those parents yeah nice there you go yeah that's fantastic i want to i'm just i want to sit in this beanbag chair now though i couldn't really you talk about the being the centerpiece of your house. I can't really move on in the conversation until I, I sit onto this thing. That would be like my brainstorm chair if I ever make it out to Western You're Mass. You're welcome to come out. It's right in front of the fireplace, uh, right in Ooh. front of the wood stove. It's really nice and cozy on a rug. You should come out anytime you want. Um, I, I hear there's a nice place called Mardi Gras out here that could uh, – <laughs> Hang on. Have you been yet? No, Have no, I heard, I, heard it, I heard it from you. Uh, um, okay, I was going to say, it's some <laughs> epic, uh, epic times had it, the Mardi Gras out in Western Mass for sure. I, um, you know, I, I want to know how you're doing in your hometown league because it looks like I'm going to eke out another one, which is going to bring me to six and six. I mean, it's been a failure of a fantasy year for me, but that will bring me to six and six. Get, get how this is uh, playing out. So there's two teams that are in that are, I think, nine and three and eight and four. Yep. And then there's one team that's seven and five, and then there's going to be eight teams tied at six and six, and, and there are six playoff spots. Now the seven and five guy could still drop out; he could drop to seven and six, and people could pass him. So yep. I am in the mix, and my draw for the week is I'm playing the nine and three guy. I'm playing the best team in the league. I got I got to win to have a chance, and then I guess it'll probably come down to points. So I'm 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 stressing. I mean this this week I. At the last minute, decided to start Philip Rivers, and he blew up. And that that's awesome. Yeah, it was great. And Gronk, Gronk helped me a lot too. Who was the uh, other consideration there? Uh, Derek Carr, just because the Broncos are so terrible, and I'm so yeah. glad I, I didn't pull the trigger. Uh, also, I had Crabtree, who got ejected in like the first 30 seconds of the game for fighting. Uh, and I was just like, oh man, it's going to be one of these things where every possible thing is going to go wrong. But my team just yeah. was too good, and I ended up winning. How's your uh, hometown fantastic. league doing? Yeah, I'm happy I'm at least in it. At least I have something to pull for going into the last week. Yeah, I had Rivers on the bench for Jared Goff, so that oh. always felt nice to see 33 points just sitting there to waste, which I could obviously obviously used i just looked at it right now actually the projection get a load of this one uh i'm projected to score 128.93 he's projected to score 128.81 literally a, a uh, 0.12 which is like, like one right yard now. rushing one yard rushing is the uh difference between us yeah alex collins i have no idea what to expect from him you could get 40 yards or you could get 120 so right i don't know uh how's your hometown league going well, that's the one I'm talking about. Well, I know. I'm saying, like, but, like, how how is how are you shaking out? Like, you're in a very close game. But, I mean, I was under the impression, like, you're out of the playoffs. Like, what do you – what's the problem? 
So the, the thing is, is one, I'm not even out of the playoffs necessarily. Obviously, it's like kind of like the Cleveland Brown situation where like they're 0-10 and, and could have had like a million things happen. If people continue to lose and I continue to win, there is a scenario I still make it, which is absurd. Uh, but I'm much more concerned with uh, the, the, the last place punishment. It's certainly a potential on the horizon here. I'm facing a 4-7 and seven team. I'm 4-7 and seven myself. And then there's a 3-8 and eight team. So next week, the loser of this matchup between me and the other 4-7 and seven team uh, are definitely at risk of uh, falling victim to the 3-8 and eight guy. Uh, the, the points battle is fairly close, too. So it's going to come down to the wire. If I win, then I'm out of the running for last place. I, I can kind of just like you know, move on from that and accept my fate in, you know, eighth place, whatever. But if I, if I lose, I'm well within the thick of things and could certainly be doing, uh, it's similar to our, uh, Roto Street League, the ESPN body issue could be happening, which would be devastating. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, you hope that if you end up doing a body issue shoot for one league and that's the punishment in another league too, you, you kind of almost just hope you finish last place in that one too, just so you could get it out of the way with one photo shoot. <laughs> Kill two birds, one stone. <laughs> just be yeah. like, well, I'm going to do one shoot and put this out there. Well, we, we are, we have come to an agreement that uh, the loser in this league can opt to wear a wolf or whatever type of mask they'd prefer. Just because, I mean, I'm a teacher. I can't be having naked identifiable well, photos out there. For now that, you are, so. but I mean, you're going to be a fantasy football tycoon, I'd say, in like a year or two. Oh, um, of course. And then the pictures can go all over the place. Right. Once then, then, we'll, then we'll airbrush the wolf mask out and, and you know, paste your, your <laughs> fucking face back in. Uh, so anyway, with that said, uh, I am – I'm pulling for you, but I'll bet your league is really pulling against you. I'll bet they'd really like to oh, see of you. I'll bet they'd like to see you demonic. fucking take it. Take. One. I mean, I've never missed the playoffs in this league, so obviously I've been completely taking. I've come in second or first, and I think well over half of the the years. So historically, I've been dominant in this league. So of course they're taking up every opportunity they can to to destroy me, and rightfully so. I would be doing the same if I was in their shoes. It's awful though. Yeah, it's brutal. All right. Well, I have some degree of sympathy for you, but at the same time, I, I kind of wouldn't mind seeing the body issue shot. Um, <laughs> My little brother texted me the same exact thing. He's like, yeah, obviously I want you to win, but I wouldn't hate seeing Tub Tub doing a, a naked body shoot. I see the I, I'm pulling for you because you're my friend, but uh, the upside I see the upside in you losing. Um, <laughs> I don't think either of you are actually pulling for me. Let's be real here. Uh, I'm pulling for you on some level. Okay. I mean, you're you're okay. my buddy, but I mean, you know, if you lost, it wouldn't be a total loss. It's a win-win for you at this point. Sure, sure. Um, all right. When we come back, we're gonna do a week uh, twelve rundown, and we got no teams on by, so uh, we're gonna be blowing through like I don't know, fifteen games, something like that. Uh, right after these matches, we'll see how the old vocal cords hang up right after this. I'm 260 for my shirt, 260 for my shirt, so sexy it hurts. And I am 260 for All right, we are back. How you holding up? Uh, you you still sweating? You, uh, the, I mean, the burrito hasn't fully reached the stomach yet, so I think I've got a few more minutes. I, I know we try to aim to get this in under 10 minutes for the uh, games. I think that should be right around the point where I just start to explode and, and die a little bit. So we'll see. I'm still alive, though. I'm breathing. All right. Well, play it off like you're just really enthusiastic about the highlights. Yeah, exactly. All right. You ready? Sure thing. Let's do it. All right. Three, 
two, one. Here we go. We'll start with the Thanksgiving games. Minnesota 30, Detroit 23. Vikings opened up the Thanksgiving games with a solid performance behind the always electrifying Case Keenum, who threw for 282 yards and two touchdowns while running for a third. Latavius Murray ran for 84 yards and a touchdown as he continued to win out on the backfield carries and production over Jarek McKinnon. Adam Thielen, ho-hum, caught eight balls for 89 yards. Stephon Diggs had five catches for 66, and Kyle Rudolph had four catches for 63 yards and two scores. For the Lions, Matthew Stafford threw for 250 yards two touchdowns and was picked off once. Marvin Jones caught six balls for 109 and a couple of scores. Golden Tate caught four balls for a meaningless seven yards. Los Angeles Chargers 28, Dallas 6. Phillip Rivers led the passing attack with 434 yards and three touchdowns in his first ever Thanksgiving Day performance as the Chargers steamrolled the Cowboys in a humiliating display in Dallas. Melvin Gordon paced the Chargers with 65 yards rushing, while Keenan Allen had a huge day receiving with 11 catches, 172, and a TD. Hunter Henry and Tyrell Williams each added scores as well. Dak Prescott struggled mightily passing for less than 200 yards and getting picked off twice. Rod Smith and Alfred Morris each got nine carries for the Cowboys, but Smith was the one finding the end zone. Des Bryant was held to three catches for 37 yards, while Jason Witten caught seven for 44. Washington 20, New York Giants 10. In my opinion, this was one of the worst games of the week. Kirk Cousins passed for 242 yards and two touchdowns and a pick. Samaje Pirine ran 24 times for 100 yards, and Jamison Crowder caught seven balls for a cool 141 and a score as the Redskins defeated the highly defeatable Giants to close out the Thanksgiving games. Eli Manning passed for a pathetic 113 yards and a pick for the Giants, who were so awful offensively that no one else on their team is going to be mentioned during this prestigious rundown. Next game. Oakland 21, Denver 14. The Raiders received an early Christmas gift on Sunday as they welcomed the terrible Broncos to town. Derek Carr had 253 yards and two TDs. Marshawn Lynch ran for 67 in a score while adding three catches for another 44. And Amari Cooper had one catch for nine yards, but that was a touchdown. He was forced to leave the game with a concussion. Michael Crabtree was ejected for fighting and scored zero fancy points, but that was a badass fight. Broncos nice. starter Paxton Lynch was totally ineffective before leaving with an ankle injury. Trevor Simeon threw for two late TDs in relief of Lynch. No one on the Broncos could run the ball at all. Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders combined for 30 receiving yards, while Denver dropped their seventh game in a row as their absolute freefall continues unhindered. Atlanta 34, Tampa Bay 20. The Buccaneers continued to suck ass on Sunday as Julio Jones whipped it out and laid it out on the table for the whole world to see. Jones received for 253 yards on 12 catches, and he scored twice, once from Matt Ryan and once from Mohamed Sanu. What? Sanu also caught eight balls for 64 yards to cap off a pretty memorable game. Ryan ended up with 317 yards and a touchdown on the day. Doug Martin left the game with a concussion after putting up 33 yards on the ground. Mike Evans had six catches for 78 yards. Deshaun Jackson had eight grabs for 60. Cincinnati 30, Cleveland 16. Andy Dalton exploded for 214 and two scores against the Browns on Sunday. Joe Mixon finally got his carries, 23 for 114 and a touchdown to go along with three catches for another 51. And A.J. Green had five catches for 66 yards while Tyler Croft had a TD catch. Meanwhile, the Browns relentlessly continued their furious quest to go 0-16. Isaiah Crowell did manage 95 on the ground, and Corey Coleman had three catches for 64 yards, but that was just about it. Hugh Jackson is 1-25 during his tenure as the head coach of the Browns. Tennessee 20, Indianapolis 16. Marcus Mariota looked pretty bad, throwing for 184 yards, one touchdown, and two picks as the Titans held on to defeat the Colts. The Titans' backfield drove fantasy owners crazy again as Derrick Henry's court carried 13 times for 79 yards while DeMarco Murray got 12 carries for only 9 yards, but he scored a touchdown. <laughs> on the receiving end, Delaney Walker had four catches for 63 yards and a score. The Colts were led by 58-year-old Frank Gore, who ran for 62 yards and a touchdown, and Jack the Beanstalk Doyle, who had six catches for 94 yards. T.Y. Hilton was up to two catches for a meager 15 yards. 
Buffalo 16, Kansas City 10. Tyrod Taylor returned from his one-game banishment as a starter, and surprise, surprise, he was better than Nathan Peterman. <laughs> Taylor passed for 183 yards and a score, but most importantly was intercepted five less times than Peterman was picked off in the first half of last week. LaShawn McCoy ran for 49 yards, received for another 30, and Zay Jones scored a touchdown, and that was all it took to beat the reeling Chiefs. Alex Smith passed for 199 yards and ran for 35 more. His rushing total more than doubled that of Kareem Hunt who ran 11 times for 17 yards. Tyree Kill caught seven balls and 41 yards. Well, uh, Travis Kelsey added three catches for 39. The Chiefs are now 1-5 in their last six games after starting 5-0, and and that win was against the Broncos, so it doesn't even count. New England 35, Miami 17. This game was never in question as Tom Brady threw for 227 yards and four touchdowns while only getting picked off once for the surging Patriots. Deion Lewis ran for 112 yards, and Rex Burkhead added 50 more on the ground and scored twice, once on the ground and once through the air. Gronk had five catches for 82 yards and two touchdowns, and Brandon Cooks had six catches for 83 and a touchdown. Miami was pretty bad across the board. Matt Moore had 215 yards, passing to go along with a touchdown and two picks. No one on the Dolphins could run the ball, and Jarvis Landry's eight catches on nine targets for 70 yards amounted to nothing. Carolina 35, New York Jets 28. Cam Newton only passed for 168 yards and only ran for 28, though he did score, as the Panthers' defense and special teams won a game their offense seemed like it was trying to lose. Christian McCaffrey ran for 62 yards and received for another 35. Devin Funches had seven catches for 108 yards, and Greg Olson's much-anticipated return was a flop as the tight end had one catch for 10 yards. In a losing effort, Josh McCowan passed for 307 yards and three touchdowns. There's the burrito for the Jets. <laughs> Robbie Anderson had six catches for 141 and two scores, while Jermaine Curse added seven catches for 105 and another TD. Philadelphia 31, Chicago 3. In a game that was never competitive, the Eagles annihilated the Bears in a display similar to what it would look like if James Harrison got in a fistfight with Tyrion Lannister. Carson Wentz threw for 227 yards and three touchdowns. LeGarrette Blount received the lion's share of the carries out of the backfield, rushing 15 times for 97 yards. Jay Ajayi had only five carries for 26. Zach Ertz had 10 catches for 103 and a touchdown. Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar each had a receiving touchdown as well. For the Bears, the only stat line worth mentioning is that Jordan Howard rushed seven times for a grand total of six yards. It's starting to look like the Bears might not be a very good football team. Seattle 24, San Fran 13. Russell Wilson passed for 228 yards and two TDs and had another on the ground as the Seahawks dismantled the pathetic 49ers on Sunday. Fat Eddie Lacy averaged a robust 2.7 yards a carry for a whopping total of 46 yards to pace the vaunted Seattle running game. Jimmy Graham had a receiving touchdown and Paul Richardson had four catches for 70 yards. Doug Baldwin was a non-factor, tallying only two catches for 25 yards. The 49ers saw Carlos Hyde rush for 47 yards and Marquise Goodwin receive for 74. But the only thing San Fran fans will be talking about is the late-game appearance of Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G passed for 18 yards on two passes and threw a TD, solidifying himself as the greatest quarterback in 49ers history, better than Joe Montana and Steve Young combined. Los Angeles Rams 26, New Orleans 20, and probably the most significant game of the week, the Rams rode 354 yards and two touchdowns from Jared Goff to snap the Saints' eight-game win streak. Todd Gurley rushed for 74 yards and received for another 54. Cooper Cup had eight catches for 116. Sammy Watkins had four catches for 82 yards and a touchdown. Drew Brees passed for 246 yards and one touchdown, and while Mark Ingram was bottled up from only 31 yards rushing. Alvin Kamara had 87 yards and a score on the ground on just five carries. And the rookie Phenom added another 101 yards and a touchdown on six catches through the air. Mike Thomas added five catches for 52 yards in a losing effort for New Orleans. Arizona 27, Jacksonville 24. The hotly anticipated matchup between Blake Bortles and Blaine Gabbert lived up to all expectations as Bortles threw for 160 and a pick. 
though he ran 62 and, and two scores, while Gabbert exploded for 241, two scores and an interception. Leonard Fournette rushed for a shockingly low total, 25 yards, while AP ran for 79 on the other side. For the Jags, D.D. Westbrook had six catches for 41 yards, while Larry Fitzgerald was held to three catches for just 12 yards for the Cardinals. Pittsburgh 31, Green Bay 28. The Steelers won against the greatly depleted Packers on a field goal as time expired that decided a surprisingly entertaining game. Ben Roethlisberger threw for 351 and four touchdowns, although he was picked off twice, while Brett Hudley had easily the best game of his young career, throwing for 245 yards and three scores. For the Packers, Jamal Williams had two touchdowns, one on the ground and one through the air. Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb each had receiving touchdowns, while Jordy Nelson had a fairly typical three catch for 11 yard game Le'Veon Bell showed why he's the best player in fantasy running for 95 yards and then catching 12 passes for 88 yards meanwhile Antonio Brown made a case for me and maybe the second best player in fantasy catching 10 balls for 169 and two scores also a two-point conversion and seemingly being completely impossible to cover the entire game no matter what as an aside there was a Martavis Bryant sighting as the troubled receiver caught four balls for 40 yards and a touchdown and that's going to do it for our wrap-up how'd we do Eight minutes, 57 seconds, under 10 again, baby. That's pretty good. That was a solid rundown. It was a good, I always love reading that stuff. It reminds me of stuff that happened that that got me excited. What do you think about Martavis? He was was involved in that offense. I mean, he actually had one or two drops. They went to him in the end zone. There was a pass interference call in the end zone uh, that, you know, he probably would have caught if they didn't interfere. What do you think? Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm a little winded after all that, and plus the burrito and the sweats and all that, it's... Get catching my breath here real quick, but Martavis Bryant, definitely an interesting guy, definitely one I wanted to chat about. Without Juju Smith in the lineup, he really definitely uh, showed he still has some upside. It really just pissed me off because that was one of our big predictions. Uh, Martavis Bryant's going to come back. He's going to be legit, and you see him playing out there. He was silky smooth on his route that he scored on and just looked, looked really solid all game. So it's just a question, like, why has that not been the case all year? Why has he been such a massive disappointment I, I don't know the answer other than Juju Smith might be that much better, but there is room for optimism because Juju is expected to be out in week 13 as well. So Martavis Bryant, yeah, I mean, it was just more just frustrating, like a, th- a sign of what it should have been all year than anything else to me. You know, that that is true with some of our picks, guys we were really into and, the, you know, now they're coming in, uh, coming up big now that like we gave up on them long ago. I'll tell you someone that is not true for, Eric Decker. He has Ugh. been consistently terrible, um, you know, just all season. And I, I, he is the guy still that if I saw him on the street, like there's a decent chance words would be exchanged <laughs> and possibly punches. Um, yeah, I, I, undoubtedly so. He's just so, so bad. Every time I like want to have a glimmer of hope for him, like Rashard Matthews isn't playing this week. Oh, okay. Eric Decker should be the wide receiver one. What's he going to do? I think he got 55 yards. That's probably his second high on the season this year. The guy is just a complete bag of shit. Well, going through these games, what what are we often like to highlight a couple things that we, um, you know, that popped out at us as we're going through, uh, we're doing the rundown. Um, you got anything that jumped out at you? I got one or two. I'm interested to yeah. know some of your thoughts. <laughs> Definitely a few. I think that first game even, there's a lot of interesting storylines with Minnesota and Detroit. We could start with just Case Keenum. Is he for real? Is he good? Because, I mean, every single week lately, he's just been putting up points and and just moving the offense very efficiently. Looks like an actual good NFL starter. He's behind a good line now. The the Vikings really bolstered that this offseason. One of the big storylines that's gone to the Raiders, how much better their line's performing than last year. And he's got obviously two great weapons with the development of Thielen, who I think is continuing to make his claim to be a top three, four 
receiver after Antonio Brown. Uh, is Case Keenum legit? Look at his last four games, 17-24, 17-27 for fantasy points. I mean, the guy is balling. So 46% on two. I have a I, – I heard what I thought was an excellent point made by a guy that does a sports podcast who I'm not really that big a fan of, but I thought he made an excellent point, which was – you know, people talk about like, oh, you don't you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. And mm-hmm. generally what our first impression of someone is, it, it really has just a ton of residual effect. What right. we think. And our first impression of Case Keenum was playing under well, what Jeff Fisher for the Rams. The when, when Rams every, and he right. sucked just like everybody else that played on just that like team. Jared sucked. Goff. Like the, right. And, and so right now. now, I mean, even as we're talking about him in my head, I'm like Case Keenum. You know, right. I mean, I, you, I, and you know you're doing it, too. Of and, course. But, but the evidence suggests that he's actually a pretty damn good quarterback. It's just like that. That's why I think Nathan Peterman's career might be over, by the way, because <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. Like, what are, what are we next time he comes into a game? We're just going to be waiting for him to throw a pick. Because Absolutely. because the guy throws a pick like fifty percent of the time he throws the ball. I don't know how good that guy is, but like we're gonna remember that debut from him, you know, probably for like ten years if he stays in the league that long. I do think Case Keenum's pretty good. Um, I, I'm not gonna go over the top like you know everybody does like you know like everybody did with Alex Smith and like people did with Sam Bradford when he had one good game. But yeah, I mean he's he's solid. I, I can't deny it. I've seen it too many times now. To, to dispute it. My other question about the Vikings, uh, I mean, is Latavius Murray, like, I mean, he's outperformed McKinnon, what, three, four games in a row now? I mean, he he seems like the guy. And by the way, they used to be splitting carries 50-50, and now it seems like it's kind of gradually shifting like 60-40, 65-35. And, he, and he's just producing more than McKinnon. What the hell's going on with McKinnon? I, I thought he might be the real deal. I, I did too. He had like three 20 point games and four, four straight, you know, 75% of the time was an absolute monster. I think a lot of it that it's going hand in hand is Keenum's excellent play is putting them in position to be on top. And once they're on top, it's a game flow thing. And, and Latavius Murray's definitely the big back, the grind it out, keep the lead, keep the clock moving. And he's looked really good in the, in the process of doing that. I think both of their successes are kind of feeding off each other. Keenum's benefiting from Murray being, a, a, you know, pounding the rock as well as he has, softening up the defense, keeping safeties, you know, pretty low. And then Keenum just capitalizes on it, and then they move him back, and then Murray capitalizes. So they're both kind of feeding off each other. It's going to be interesting these next couple weeks, some more difficult matchups or at least more shootout-type matchups with Atlanta and then Carolina. So I'm intrigued to see where that goes. And you got Cincy and then Green Bay to round off their uh, fantasy schedule so could be really interesting to see what this offense does especially in Atlanta Carolina and then Green Bay should have Aaron Rodgers back for that one so it's going to be an interesting stretch but I wonder what the uh, the team will do with Keenum if he continues to play this well because I mean they obviously have Teddy Bridgewater waiting in the wings and I'm sure they view him as the franchise or at least the guy that they they hope can carry the baton but if Keenum carries him to the playoffs wins a game or two how could they move on from him next year? So I'm intrigued to see how that goes. I don't know. I mean, it's funny when that stuff happens. I mean, you remember that happened with Alex Smith in, in San Francisco. I mean, yep. then Kaepernick came back, and then they're like, all right, here's $120 million, Kaepernick, and <laughs> you know, I'm, I guess you'll be our quarterback for the next 10 years. It's such a gamble, man. It's like, you know, I love second-guessing these guys that blow these decisions, but, man, I'm, <laughs> I think that would suck to have to make those calls. Yeah. Um, uh, the Chargers. Let's talk about the Chargers for a second. I – I don't know if this is really a hot take, but I mean, you know, with things being as sparse as they are on the waiver wire and stuff like that, to me, San Diego or Los Angeles players might be guys worth investing in 
Um, the Chargers are hot. The Chargers have a shot at making the playoffs, believe it or not. I think they were 0-5 at one point. And, uh, you know, Rivers looks great. Uh, Keenan yeah. Allen looks great, and he's healthy. Melvin Gordon we know is great. And now we got uh, Tyrell Williams emerging again. Hunter Henry's catching balls. I don't know, man. They, they, look, they look legit to me. Oh, absolutely. And I, I would say, why would it stop? They got Cleveland next week. So you look at the Phillip Rivers train, the 11th most points to quarterbacks. Uh, so that's going to be a joke. Then Washington, certainly a burnable secondary. Then Kansas City, who we've seen getting decimated all year. Then New York Jets. So the schedule's ripe for Rivers to just continue dominating the way he is. And like you mentioned, if there's any pieces out there to, to pick up, I would certainly look for it. And there, there, there are right now. Austin Eckler would be one of my favorite guys to look at. Their backup running back right now because he does have some standalone appeal he scored 24 then 12 then eight and a half over the last three weeks so all usable numbers this past one being his his worst game with eight and a half but still not the, the end of the world if he's your, your flex type of guy but then he also carries that you know rb1 upside if anything were to happen to melvin gordon and, and in years past you know last year he got banged up late and gordon just seems a little bit sluggish right now I could totally see Eckler taking over that role if, if Gordon goes down and just winning fantasy seasons for people. So only 34% owned right now, has some standalone appeal plus the stash appeal. I absolutely love him. And then behind Keenan Allen, that wide receiver situation is a little bit tricky. Like Tyrell Williams exploded this week. Um and Travis Benjamin was a little bit quiet, three catches for 50 yards. But it's kind of – it's tough to project which guy it's going to be. Yeah. But if you're desperate, you know, week 13, you need a flex and you want somebody that could potentially explode. Tyrell Williams is only 36% owned. Travis Benjamin only 15% owned. And, and Benjamin gets that, like, revenge game factor if that even counts against Cleveland. Like, can you have a revenge game against Cleveland? I, I don't know if they're even I mean, know, if, worth if, that. You suck if – I mean, you know, that's embarrassing if you're in a position where you can get revenge on Cleveland. Right, exactly. So, you know, either one of those guys could explode down the stretch here, though, because all those matchups for wide receivers, Washington is the, the toughest there. But Kansas City, the Jets, and, and Cleveland can all be burned deep. So I do. I, I think this offense is going to keep clicking, and I could totally see the Chargers. We were laughing how it's the hardest division in football, and, <laughs> and the do. Chargers were just getting screwed. And now it's like the easiest football. I, I think that the uh, records in that division are six and five, five and six, five and six, and like whatever the hell the Broncos are, three and eight or something. Right, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's really funny how how things change. Um, well, let's talk about the Chiefs. Speaking of that division, I mean, how horrendous have they been over these last few weeks? Is it Alex <laughs> Smith? Is it Andy Reid? Is it Kareem Hunt? Like, what's going on in Kansas City? Well, I mean, you know, this is going to sound stupid, uh, you know, as far as me defending Kareem Hunt, but if you watch the guy run, and I, I don't really, this week I is different. I mean, he didn't do anything at all, but the guy still breaks tackles. Like, he still looks okay running the ball. It's just the difference, I, I would have to say, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, I'd have to say yards before contact has probably mm. been slashed horribly. Um, and, I mean, to me, that's just like, you know, if, if they can't run the ball, the receiving game that we're all so excited about seeing Alex Smith do, oh, look at him throw the ball down the field, it's not going to happen. And then we're going to revert back to old Alex Smith, and then they're a pretty mediocre team. Even with all that said, I'm surprised at how bad they look. I mean, every week mm -hmm. kind of in the, in the last few, I've been like, ah, oh, they'll bounce back. I mean, look at all the weapons they have. They have Kelsey. They have Hill. They have uh, who looked like a pretty good quarterback. And they have Kareem Hunt, who was just running away with rookie of the year. Now it kind of looks like it's going to be Alvin Kamara. <laughs> 
Yeah, who we should get to in one sec. But I just want to go with these struggles like you're talking about. It does make it, if you're a playoff-minded owner and you might have a quarterback need of any sort, at this point when when it's all about, I know we've talked about a couple waiver wire guys in San Diego and different things. This is the time of year. We talked about this last year where you got to start prepping for playoff runs, whether that means you're handcuffing your, your number one guys um, or you're just stashing upside. I really think Patrick Mahomes, the the backup quarterback, the rookie there, makes an interesting stash for quarterback needy teams that that know they're going to make the playoffs. Because if Alex Smith gets benched, of course at the risk Mahomes doesn't even touch the field. Andy Reid is a bit conservative, and for his NFL development, it's probably not the best thing. But you know fans are going to be clamoring for it, especially if they lose another week in a row facing the Jets this week. So Mahomes, like you mentioned, all those weapons at his disposal, a mobile guy, he's got a, a very strong deep arm, so... In terms of maximizing Tyreek Hill and just giving this offense a spark, if they end up handing over the, the reins to him, which, again, I don't think they should do as an NFL franchise, but if they do, the fantasy upside's monumental there. And their, their schedule is very easy, too, moving here down the stretch in terms of fantasy numbers. So I'm very intrigued to see what Kansas City does down the stretch and if Mahomes takes over, what type of numbers he could, he could put up. It's really similar to Watson's setup, mobility, deep arm, Good line, great surrounding talent. Uh, I mean, obviously Watson we saw as just a gamer ment- mentally wise. It's tough to compare anyone to his level right now without seeing it. But Mahomes has all the the narratives in place for a potential huge late season stretch run. Worth a stash, only one percent owned for for teams that just have bench bench upside right now. Let's talk about Julio Jones for a second. You realize this is the third game in his career he's gone over two fifty. It's insane. Yeah, that's his third lowest. I mean, uh, his only his third highest. I remember seeing. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how many games in NFL history have gone over two fifty? What like 10, right, like ten maybe? I don't know. Like, can't be that many. It makes you wonder, like, why has he not done this? Every Matt Ryan. Week? I blame Matt Ryan. Right. I mean, I blame some of the play Matt, calls. Matt too. Ryan. Well, yeah, that too. But I mean, Muhammad Sanu and Matt Ryan. I think before Ryan's second pass to Julio Jones had thrown an equal number of touchdown passes to Julio Jones. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious. On the season, I think you're absolutely. I mean, dead I think right. I think Ryan eked out a two to one lead after that second one. But shit, I mean, I you know maybe let Sanu take some snaps. Dude, I, I saw the stats. I want to get back to Julio in a second because I think it's an important question to be like, what is he going to do moving forward? Is this a sign of things to come, or is this just going to be an aberration? Um, but before that, you mentioned Sanu throwing the ball. They they had an infographic pop up. I don't know if you saw it, but he's six for six. I think three of them have gone for like 40 or more yard touchdowns. Perfect passer rating in his career um, as, a, as, a, as a thrower, which is just insane to me. And when he threw it, I mean, I, you saw the play. It was like a broken play. He bobbled it up, just took it and flicked his wrist like it was completely effortless. It goes 60 yards down the field, like right into Julio's lap. It's insane. Which, of course, begs the obvious question, how good would the Jaguars be if Mohamed Sanu was their quarterback and not <laughs> right? Blake Bortles? I mean, would the they Browns? would they be an 11-0 team? Seriously, yeah. What team? What was Sanu with? I'm trying to think the off Bengals. the top of my head. Who was he Bengals. with? Bengals. It was the Bengals. Okay, yeah. I mean, he's probably better than Andy Dalton. I mean, let's, let's be real. I'd here. say he's probably as good as Andy Dalton. Right. The um, upside, at least, I is mean, astronomical. Do you, do you attribute Mike Evans? I mean, Mike Evans has kind of disappeared. Like, oh, absolutely. But uh, Julio, before we leave that game, uh, I did want to make the note. Obviously, one, this came against Tampa Bay, which we've raved about how easy of a matchup that is for receivers. They have no corners in like the top 50 of pro football focuses grades. So that's obviously a major factor here. 
And then you look at the remaining schedule. Minnesota next week, uh, Xavier Rhodes. Rhodes closes that big stat. He did just get absolutely demolished by Marvin Jones, who I think we should also probably talk about a little bit. It was a big um, receiver week, huh? I mean, there are a lot of receivers that had big stat games. Huge games. Um, yeah, it was a big receiver week. If you hit it on the right ones for DraftKings or FanDuel, then then you're sitting pretty. Because um, other positions just didn't really show up nearly as much. But, uh, yeah, so Rhodes closed. Other than that game against Marvin Jones uh, this past week, he's been lights out as a, a shutdown corner. So Julio's going to contend with him. And then he's got New Orleans twice, weeks 14 and 16, who normally that would be like, oh, yes, yeah, circle it. It's it's New Orleans. Let's just go dominate. But obviously Lattimore has completely changed that defense. He was out this last week, and it really showed with Jared Goff throwing 354 and two, like we, we mentioned earlier. Sammy Watkins was getting open at will, and he's been doing nothing all year. Cooper Cup, 118 on eight catches. So if Lattimore's injury is serious and lingering, that matchup suddenly becomes way juicier. And if he is playing, though, that, that becomes another really lockdown corner. But week 15 for Julio, he gets Tampa Bay again, who we just demolished for 254. So looking at the schedule, I could see you know Julio regressing back to Julio of 70 yards and 80 yards for those no New Orleans games and that Minnesota game. But then you also have the Tampa Bay game sandwiched in between there where he could totally go off once more. So I would say, though, that, that was definitely more of an aberration. I mean, 254 yards, you're not expecting that. But if, if owners are like, oh, now he's going to light up and go 100 in a TD every week, I think the schedule is definitely a, a reason to caution those expectations. I don't think the trade deadline's here anymore for anybody. But if there's ever a sell high and you can still trade, I might see what I can get for Julio because I don't think he's going to continue this stretch run by any means. Yeah, uh, one other guy, one other receiver that just had a monstrous game uh, might actually be the best player on my Roto Street Journal team, and that's Robbie Anderson. Oh, um, man. Yeah, him and Marvin Jones. Let's talk about well, them. And all right, they had similar games. Uh, they right. both had six grabs. They both had two touchdowns. I think uh, yep. Anderson went for 141. Jones went for a buck nine, something like that. Both huge games, both in losing yep. causes. Um, both, I mean, I was going to say both being thrown to, to – quarterbacks that aren't like amazing but you know they're both okay and josh mccown 307 three scores he's not bad i'm glad you mentioned the, the jets because he's another one of my the way this segment's ended up turning out is we kind of work in our waiver wire analysis and when we can and then he's probably the top quarterback available in, in more than half of leagues 31 percent owned right now so pretty widely available against a, a carolina defense that was giving up the 28th uh, most points, so very little points to quarterbacks this year. He goes out and throws 303 TDs against. So this is also the the uh, third time in his last six games he's gone over 22. He's only been below 16 once in those last six weeks. So five games he's been very, very usable, uh, including three blow-up games where he's a, a top 10 option at the position. And he gets a, a pretty decent schedule moving forward, especially next week against the Chiefs, who've been getting demolished by quarterbacks all year. So McCowan, very interesting play right now. I, I never thought I would you know, mention that Josh McCowan's matchup proof or, or even a startable <laughs> fantasy option, you know, but he's totally a startable fantasy option. Not just totally startable. Yeah, he's matchup proof, which is insane. I, I never dudes. thought I'd be saying that. He but had two guys on his team go over 100 yards with with multiple touchdowns. Right. Insane. And Robbie Anderson being one of them, the guy you, you originally asked about. And speaking of, J- of Jermaine Curse, what about him as a waiver pickup? He's 38% owned, so he's definitely out there in a decent amount of leagues. I think a lot of people got frustrated with him and cut him, and 
I'm not saying you need to go sprint out and get him. I think McCowan's success well, obviously helps him, but it is the Robbie the Anderson dude, show there. There's I mean, this nobody is like, you're sprinting to go out and get right now. But no. I consider, but I, I think that Jermaine Curse is similar to Tyrell Williams, who we mentioned earlier. Um, you know, and a guy that like people were kind of high on and people got sick of and eventually dropped him. And probably now, like, he's owned by like a third of the people that have teams or, or you know, 33%, 35%, something like that. I think they're similar guys. If you had to right, take absolutely. one of those guys, who would you take? Uh, Tyrell or Curse? Probably Curse. I think Tyrell's just a little more of a crowded situation. It's a better offense, but. He's he's more prone to disappearing, whereas Curse has had a little bit more consistency, not a ton of it. Um, I do want to mention Robbie Anderson. I know that was the original question. No, we ahead. kind of trailed off of it. I just looked it up right here. So that six-game stretch, I was just raving about McCowan killing it. It's it's clearly a product of Robbie Anderson doing – they're feeding off each other, obviously. The, over those six games, he's gone nine – this is half PPR too, so I don't even know what full PPR would be. 9.6, 11, 19.5, 12.8, 16.5, 29.6. So that, that's his last six games. I mean, I got to imagine over that, that period of time, he's a top five receiver in fantasy compared to other receivers. I can't imagine who else is keeping that type of pace with him. So moving forward, I think he's got to be treated at, at minimum like a high-end wide receiver too, but really that's low-end wide receiver ones. And the plays you see, if you watch the game, you see McCowan like pointing downfield and then he's just uncorks it. And Robbie Anderson, there's like nobody within 20 yards of him. And this has happened multiple weeks in a row now. He's He seems to always break loose for a 40-yard or, or longer TD. So you want to call it flukish because it's all big play. And then he just keeps doing it over and over. And he scores in the red zone too. He's got a long wiry frame he's fast as all hell uh, the guy's legit he's he's clearly arrived and i think anyone treating him as any less than a, a low-end wide receiver one high-end wide receiver two is gonna get burned he, he's a stud and he's gonna be a hero here down the stretch and not to blow smoke up your ass but you liked robbie anderson uh he's when, on the he's on the penny stock list yeah he was you liked him a lot i mean that's the reason i ended up picking him up on my team yep. i did not draft him or maybe i dra- no i didn't draft him but i picked him up off waivers early in the season and uh you know you convinced me and I always kind of thought oh, if the Jets ever had somebody that could play quarterback this kid would be good they do and he is and you know I mean obviously we'll see how the rest of the season goes but this is a guy that you could see being drafted in like the second round of drafts or something next year if he keeps this up which would just be yeah. insane you know which um, would be yeah I'm trying to remember who because I remember the week that Robbie Anderson was like a waiver wire guy. He was kind of like fourth and fifth on most lists. And I remember just being like, Robbie Anderson, I, I liked him going into the year and he should be the guy everyone looks at. I forget who like the, there was one guy everyone was like, no, it's not Robbie Anderson. It's this guy. And I want to I'll have to look back and, and see who it was, because that's going to be one of my better predictions. One of my worst ones, though, uh, with with Kareem Hunt, obviously we were so hyped on him and he was doing great. Oh, looked like God. one of our best picks of the year. And I think one of my worst calls is I got a lot of people asking, do I sell on him or do I sit on it and, and go down with the ship? And it was always for me, you ride out Kareem Hunt. I, I think I was a little bit blinded by the fact that I own him in a lot of places. And I think I was just a little bit hopeful that this was not going to be a, a, a nightmare and that he's going to finally turn around. And like you said, the talent still seems like it's there. But I got questions like – do I trade Kareem Hunt for Alvin Kamara? The offer's on the table. This was granted like three weeks ago where Kamara was having his good games but not as dominant as he's been. But, man, uh, obviously looking back, uh, Kamara's got to be top five draft picks if you were drafting today. The guy's out of this world unbelievable. He reminds me of Jamal Charles. 
Not yeah, that's not, a good way to put not it. Not to you, continually bring up Jamal Charles, but yeah. that, that's who he, that's who he reminds me of. Your boy, uh, obviously, and I mean the way he just runs though, it's similar to Jacha. Just like effortless, you know what I mean? Just doesn't even look like he's trying out there. He His face is always nondescript. He's just kind of out there doing his thing and dominating. The, some stats I found on Twitter about this guy, he's averaging 8.1 yards per touch on 123 touches. No running back in the last 25 years has averaged 8-plus yards per play on over 100 t- touches. So th- that's obviously insane. And then Alvin Kamara has finished as a top 12 PPR back in six straight games, the longest streak of RB1 weeks for all ball carriers this year. Uh, And then building on that, four straight of them have been top five right now. So the guy's just uh, absolutely peaking at the right time, crushing it for anyone who owns him. I mean, the team who owned him in my my league, Fight for the Fez, had the lowest points, um, was getting dominated week in and week out, and then Kamara turned the stretch on, and now he's he's in sixth place. He's going to get the last playoff uh, spot if he wins out, which Kamara's going to make sure he does. He's a season winner. He's obviously a season winner. We talked about him in He's a David Johnson type. Player. He's David Johnson two years ago. I told everyone uh, in week two, I said this you is You liked guy Kamara too. You, I mean, God, you, here you, after you struggled, you struggled like week three, week four. We were so sad because we made some bad calls. And look at all these guys that you right. were first on that are now just blowing the fuck up. And sure, it's we can it's, say like it's one of those things that I don't like. I should own them and Kamara in like one, maybe two leagues right now. Though it's one of those things where I was very high on him. I said blow all your waiver wire budget in week two, and this is going to be the guy you want who's going to be a season winner. And I just, for whatever reason, didn't follow my own advice on all the guys that hit and followed my own advice on all the guys that missed. So one of those type of years, unfortunately. But yeah, it's, I mean, the penny stocks really panned out this year, which is cool. Oh, well, I mean, shit, that's what li- wins you leagues. I mean, oh, absolutely. Often. I he's, mean, a, he's a league winner. Guys you're you... picking up in the eighth, ninth round or something that end up being wide receiver ones or running back twos or running back ones. I mean, that's a big difference maker. Absolutely. Um, yeah. We're, he'll win. I mean, you know how last year we did it. And we'll have to do this as a podcast episode, I bet. Uh, the Rotos where we hand out like the, the year end awards. He's going to have to be a Roto winner. Like, well, I don't know what category it will be, whether it's MVP, whether it's the, the best waiver wire pickup, obviously. But yeah, he's, he's a league winner for sure. A hundred percent. All right. Well, that covers the deep dive. And that was an extremely deep dive on the week oh, yeah. 12 rundown. We'll be right back after this. All right, we are back. We're about to wrap things up. We did remember a couple of guys that we should mention before we get out of here. One of them, Dee Westbrook, who mm-hmm. I would like to say I picked up in my hometown league uh, yep. about three weeks ago while he was still on IR. And I got him now. And I mean, I'm a guy that is struggling to fill my flex spot. And I'm starting to think this might be the guy. Six catches from Bortles is is something. I mean, you know, Bortles only completes eight nine passes a game. Oh, absolutely, no, I, I'm with you. I've been I've been sitting on Westbrook. I love the guy as a talent. I love his confidence level as a player. And I still, you know, we've been writing about him and talking about him on the pod as one of those potential stretch run heroes. I really think the upside is still there, especially when you look at the schedule um, and alongside Bortles too. So the rest, the the next four games, we always want to think in a four-game window here with 13, 14, 15, 16. He's got Indianapolis, the sixth most points to, to wide receivers. 
Seattle, who's the 18th, but that's obviously a bit skewed because they their defense is a shell of what it was. I know they faced the 49ers and shut them down, but anybody can shut down the 49ers. So that's not that threatening of a matchup. Then you got Houston, who's gotten demolished by receivers, the second most points on the year, especially deep threats too, and guys that, that are good at dangerous after the catch. They're a very poor tackling team over there in Houston. So I think Westbrook could make some serious noise, and then he winds up winds out the season with San Fran. So the matchups are 100% there for some wide receiver blowups. What I'm interested to see is uh, six catches this week, 41 yards is the second game. Obviously the most highly used he's been, and they're, they're working him in quite a bit. How much of that is going to be a product of Patrick Peterson being on Marquise Lee? Is Marquise Lee still the number one guy? Or is he starting to seed that that role over to Westbrook? That's going to be kind of the more interesting thing here because I could just see Lee reemerging and just taking that, that role and Westbrook just being a secondary complementary player because he is splitting some time with this guy named uh, Keelan, Keelan Knoll is the other rookie that's there. And they are splitting snaps right now, so he's not even a full-time player. So a couple red flags there, but the the talent is there. The schedule is there for him to be a true stretch run difference maker. So it'll be interesting to see again, who's the true number one there. Uh, and against Indy, I think the ball is going to be slung. And, and obviously those matchups apply to Bortles as well, who's only 35% owned. So if you're desperate for a QB, you know, McCowan 31% and Bortles 35%, I think you could really match and pair uh, the, the, the end of the season here and get some quality numbers out of both of them. Uh, so uh, very intriguing w- with the Jaguars here. And I think the last guy worth mentioning too is just Zach Ertz. I mean, 10 catches, 103 in a TD. That's one we got to kind of pat ourselves back on, yeah. on, on the back for because that the, the guy is just completely dominant. If I was drafting today, is he a first rounder, Zach Ertz? Um, twelve team league. Yeah, twelve team. No. Not not yet. I don't. I don't. I, I don't think. A hard time. I don't think any tight ends are though. I'm not. I'm not slamming Ertz. I'm just. You know. I. I would not take him in the top twelve. Um, definitely I not. That, I would may, I maybe think, top sixteen. I don't know. I'd have I, to look at the players. I I'd have to break them down. Though, and I'm just like, okay. I know a few running backs: Le'Veon and Gurley. Obviously, Antonio Brown. And uh, then you look at it. Kamara. It's like, hello. Kamara. The, the the two Saints guys. Yes, Kamara and and Ingram. And then you look at it though, and it's like, who's what about the like true Leonard, Leonard Fournette? Wouldn't Fournette's you take... probably over those guys. Yes. What but about what about Kareem Hunt? Is... What would you What would you do with Kareem Hunt? Where would you draft Kareem Hunt? Ah oh, man, <laughs> that's tough, right? Like, are you saying rest of season? No, now or no, I'm next talking year? about next year. I mean, that's what you're talking about with Ertz, right? Right, uh, kind of both, but yeah, like next year, what am I looking at? I mean the Andy Reid offense, and that's why we Kareem Hunt love sitting there at pick ten. Are you going to take him? I just don't get the thing. I hate about him is they take him out in the two minute drill. They take him out in passing situations. It's so dumb for, for Charkandrick West, and all that West does is pass block. So is it that that Hunt can't pass block? I don't know why he's ceding all these snaps to him, but that that's kind of been the key difference here, and that's what makes me really nervous about him. Is he not the true three down back that we thought he's going to be? Plus Spencer Ware could be coming back next year too. As a dynasty owner, you cannot feel too, too hot right now about Kareem Hunt. He's not going to lose his job to Spencer Ware. No, but could he lose goal line touches? And then suddenly he's losing passing down work. He's losing goal line touches. And he's only seeing 11 touches himself these days. I I love Hunt. I think he's a great talent. And I I loved what he was doing early in the year. 
it's just it's nerve wracking to consider what he what to do with the tight ends though. I mean, you look at Kelsey Gronk and, and Ertz, the the edge they bring to that position, plus the inconsistency with you know Mike Evans and Julio and I, I was going to ask that, you, Ertz or Mike Evans next year? I, I'd probably take Ertz, right? Like, I mean, why wouldn't you? At this I mean, point? And, you know, this is a guy that was so up Mike Evans's ass. Like, we had to use the jaws of life to get him out. Like, uh, <laughs> and I mean, and he's sitting here saying, "I'll take Zach Ertz over Mike Evans." This is this is big. It's, but it's honestly the truth at this point. I mean, next year, who knows? Because obviously, we've seen this kind of pattern with Mike Evans. He busts for a year, and then he comes back with like 15 touchdowns and 1,300 yards the next one. Uh, but I mean, how could you the, – the edge that Ertz brings to the tight end position, the consistency he's coming at it with, obviously Wentz is the real deal. So I don't see any reason why Zach Ertz should do anything but dominate again next year. All right, fair enough. I I would not take him top twelve. I I don't think I would have to see a list in front of me. I, I would probably take him over Mike Evans. Uh, Mike Evans' stock has fallen an awful lot, and I, I feel yeah. really bad saying that, but it's just a fact. Um, I also think that there's a couple more backs that I would probably end up taking, considering. Uh, and there's there's some great receivers out there that yeah. that uh, you know you can't you can't sleep on. How about this? How about Keenan Allen or Zach Ertz? Oh man, he, Allen's really turned it on these last couple of weeks. But they look at the body of work on the season, and Ertz is I'm just talking about next every, year. I'm talking about next year. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a big Ertz guy. I mean, the way he's panned out and the amount of teams I have him on this year, and he's just a, he, talk about league winners. Him in the sixth round this year is is a true difference maker. I remember there was a pick <laughs> uh, I was drafting for a friend, and I already got him Gronk, and his his third wide receiver was very sketchy. So it came down to the board. It was Brandon Marshall or Zach Ertz. And I was like, look, man, the stat that I have on Zach Ertz, like I know you already have Gronk, but you want a good backup plan for him. And, and Zach Ertz, I just have a good feeling about him. So we went Zach Ertz over B. Marsh, much to his uh, oh, hesitation. God. And Talk obviously, what, that's a, what not a good even, pick. <laughs> that's not even close, obviously, at this point. But that's the type of league winner he is. I mean, you look at the talent that was going in round six. There's very, there's nobody that comes close to what he's doing. Obviously, Kamara, but like that wasn't even a round six pick type of guy. So, yeah, I, I would go Zach Ertz. I here's, would. Here's what, and we're going to wrap up here, but here's okay. what I'm praying for next year. Yeah. I'm praying for the Eagles to go to London so we could say, <laughs> Wentz was in the bar getting his dick sucked and Ertz was watching. <laughs> and Alan Ernst watched no, Ertz. No, right. Ertz and Ertz. Still has a death lock. We're getting blown on the street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bottles, bottles, the London Oh, God, God. we need a Jags-Eagles uh, game in London so bad. If you became the owner, because you know there's some talk about London like officially getting a team for like the the season. Yeah. Would you throw every single cent you owned on on Blake Bortles as your quarterback? Well, I mean, do I already have Jacksonville? I mean, no, I'm just saying you're. I'm saying London is like inheriting a team. Like they're they're saying that London's gonna like take a team and be a regular season. Like they're going to have six games over there. But, or but, whatever. Wouldn't it, but wouldn't it probably be Jacksonville anyway that they would I take? imagine so. Right. But so, like, I mean, yeah, I would, I would obviously be trying to re-sign Bortles, even if it's just to play him in those games. Yeah. He would yeah. have the, he would have the like Roethlisberger-esque home road splits, but like times like five. 
Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like so, you, quarterback rating of like 12 on the road. But here, I mean, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> when Earns when is watching him get his sticks up. <laughs> He's just unbeatable. Uh, oh, it man. is. That, that line just came out of nowhere and was too perfect. To, oh, I'm going to be uh, saying it forever. It all came from the fact that you didn't know how to pronounce Alan Hearns' last name. Alan Hearns. Right, right? I, I remember you said it like four times, and I was like, why the hell do you keep pronouncing his name like that? anyway that seems like as good a place as any to wrap things up thanks for listening everybody this was a fun one Um, absolutely yeah enjoy the monday night game obviously this probably won't be out till tuesday morning uh tuesday afternoon maybe yeah let's go jeremy macklin alex collins baby yeah yeah i'm looking forward to it Um, the ravens are terrible i hate watching the ravens so much and honestly without deshaun watson the only thing to watch on houston is deandre hopkins See some ridiculous catches, yeah. Yeah, they'll target him probably 24 times. <laughs> Usual. Anyway, anyway, my name is Nat The Truth Jones. And I'm The Wolf. If you want to follow me, guys, Roto Street Wolf on Twitter and uh, in, and Snapchat. Our Instagram is Roto Street Journal. Our uh, Facebook's the same. And you can follow Roto ST Journal on Twitter and Snapchat as well. If you like what you heard, give us the five stars. Let us know what we can do better. If not, we love hearing back from you guys. Got some good fan interaction asking about like different segment names and different things. So loving all that. Keep the feedback coming and uh, appreciate it, Wolfpack. Best of luck in the coming week. Week 13 is a big one, baby. All right. See you guys later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. We stole the show. At least we stole the show. Straight ahead. Devlin. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown. That's pretty awesome. That's old fashioned football right there, folks.